Thursday, December 2nd, Chavo Trap House clocking in yet again. It's me, Matt, and Felix, but joining us today is our old pal, Mike Racine, in the Hello, cut boys. once again. It's Mike. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Well, uh, Mike, it's, it's, it's been a while, but um, since then, you've, uh, you've had a son. Yeah. How, how's that going for you? <laughs> I mean, so far, I don't want to, you know, decide his gender already. <laughs> Well, you have you have a child. Yeah, I have a child. Yeah, no, it's um, it's very good. The baby's uh, the baby's great. You know, he's yeah, like some things around it get a little uh, stressful, but the baby's awesome. Um, it's not uh, hard. I don't know why people complain. Um, because for me, it's been very good. We have a we have a nice little angel, little angel baby, and uh, so far so good. I, I imagine it's it's a, it's in the minority of our um, disease listeners who are capable of reproducing themselves. But you know, for anyone out there who's just who's you know has a new kid, I mean, you say it's easy. What are some tips that you could provide for our audience on um, you know children, the joy and miracle of life? Yeah, I guess the biggest tip I have for new parents is just to kind of like uh, relax and uh, don't worry about the kid dying. Because chances are, maybe like three or four times a day, I think my kid is dead. When I wake up in the morning, um, we we're, he's, we are raising him Italian. He sleeps in the bed with us. And he's he's seven months today, actually. Um, I don't know when that's going to stop, when he's going to sleep in his own bed. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it's like when I wake up in the morning or when I was, I mean, just now I was like getting ready for the show and I was reading an article and he... Uh, there was like it was quiet. I had him on the floor, and there was just quiet. And then I was like, "Where's my kid?" And then I looked over, and he was like laying on his back, and he was alive. But for a second, I was like, "Fuck! I I killed him." What and if that? What, what, what if? What if that's how? You, what if that's how you told us that your kid was dead, though? Like that story. I would. Yeah, it's I would been fun, but oh yeah. By the way, he like died today. Yeah, he was freaking dead. And then I know. And then it's like a whole thing where it's like, if my kid dies under my watch, like. Do I call his mother? Do I call my wife and let her know? Or do I like wait? <laughs> or do I like wait for her to get home and like lay the body out? You know, so she can like stumble across it and be like, I don't I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> when you when you order when you order food in advance of your wife getting home, like she knows yeah. the kid died. Yeah. Like she knows you're yeah, like yeah, buttering yeah. her up because yeah, the baby's yeah, yeah. dead. When there's like five dollar <laughs> bodega flowers on the table, she <laughs> that's how she knows. <laughs> she, a King of Queens episode where their kid dies, but it's just the same in tone as any other episode. Wait, was that was that an episode? Uh, actually as a King of King Queens yeah. head. Uh, there was a miscarriage subplot in a later there season was, of right? King and Queen. First of all, I don't know why that show's not in the conversation. It's like one of the best uh, sitcoms of all time because it's it's so good. It's my one of my favorite shows to watch in a hotel room like late at night. It's mac and cheese. It's very yeah. satisfying. But then another thing, if I could just continue that that other point, like you also think about your kid dying in a lot of like really gruesome ways, like every every way imaginable. Like you think about him getting thrown in a pizza oven. Um, when you're like after, well, you said you're raising him Italian, you know. Yeah, right. Which is like could be. Ha- that's, how, that's how they got baptized. <laughs> yeah, and um, also you, you said you're raising a kid Italian, so he uh, they they sleep in the same bed with you. 
Um, I mean, like, like Italian style is when you sleep in the same bed with your mother until you're like 40, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, until right. you get so married. I'm, I'm thinking until, we'll until, until you put a ring on a woman, and that means you can sleep in a bed with someone other than your mom. <laughs> other than your mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, king beds were invented by Italians for that reason. <laughs> it's, yeah. Hey, look at me. I'm, I'm, it's my king bed. <laughs> it's like uh, how we addressed each other. Yeah. And then also, we live right next to the BQE. So I just, sometimes I just think like, what that would suck if someone threw him into the BQE. Um, <laughs> so that's my. So that's just my tip for dads is or new parents is just to like, just chill out. Your baby's probably not going to die. They're pretty resilient. <laughs> but, but if but, but if, if you are worried about that, you always want to make sure it happens on the other parents' watch. Yeah. Of course. So that way you're you're just you know you're free and easy from that whole the whole guilt thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. a, that's why that's why baby monitors exist. If you like hear or see your kid like playing with the gun that you keep in that room or like just, you know, it's like, oh, that's that's not the breath of someone who has a lot of breaths left. It's like you 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 get out of that room. Yeah. So, you know, the other parent will be there. Exactly. And I, I let him roll off the couch the other day, which like happens, you know, but I was like literally putting on the baby carrier and then he like I just hear like doosh, doosh, like two thuds. And then I look over and he's like laying on his stomach and he starts crying. And my wife got like really mad. So now I'm hoping that like I just I need him to fall over on her watch. So we're like even, you know, <laughs> most babies, most bit like, you know, that old like shitty joke where it's like, oh, you just dropped as a baby. Everyone has yeah. dropped like 12 times. A day Every, as a baby. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Their babies like, are very top heavy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like the only guys who aren't dropped a lot as kids. Because we're all a victim to this. It was like Stephen Hawking, but look how brittle yeah. his body was. Exactly. From not being calloused by being dropped. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you got to pay the piper one way or the other. My Literally, I'm not making this up. My earliest memory is my mom holding me with one arm and she's stirring a pot of pasta and she burned me with the pasta water. <laughs> it like splashed on my hand. <laughs> Another reason you can relax is that uh, the cops, they give you one free kid. To just like yeah. die, like they're, they're because of just how squishy and vulnerable they are. If they just stop yeah. breathing, you got one one kid. They'll be like, oh, "Don't yeah, worry about nice it." Little... Two or three, then they start asking yeah. questions. Uh, that's funny because I mean, like I, I know in, con- in in the uh, in the context of the latest uh, Supreme Court hearing, which I guess we'll be talking about in a second. By the way, if you're tuning in, uh, you're, you're listening to the four guys you definitely want to hear talk about abortion the most. I mean, we're bringing you... This is the highest level of fucking authority on this topic. But, um, no, I mean, I remember like in, the, in this context... Reverse is way, neither or keep it. <laughs> I thought that men should be talking about this stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I mean, you'd, you'd think so, but that's what we're doing. Uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll be making the New York Times uh, best podcast list next year after they <laughs> hear this episode. But um, no, no, it was, it was about like states that passed laws um, to like, you know, uh, to, I, I guess be more humane to, uh, you know, as they crack down on abortion, you know, they want to be humane to, uh, you know, the, the infants and the mothers. So they uh, passed a law that would be like, you know, no questions asked. You could just drop a child off at like a fire fire department just like at a like a fire station and like the the child will be placed into you know foster care or put into the system you know and then you won't be prosecuted for you know abandoning your baby and there were several cases of like <laughs> of people being prosecuted because they dropped off their like 16 year old kid at a fire station <laughs> was like i'm done with this asshole <laughs> um is there anything is there anything surprise is there anything that's surprised you 
um, about having a having a baby that you weren't prepared for, or that that was uh, sort of sort of interesting to discover? Not really. I mean, everything's. I don't know. It's. I've just kind of. Yeah, everything's been okay. I think I tasted some of his shit today. I I was changing him, and I think I had some left on my fingers, and then I ate some potato chips. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it's like, but stuff like that. I don't know. That doesn't even like bother me that much. I don't know. Did you think it was going to bother you? Like when you when you thought about having a kid, you're like, oh, like their their shit will be everywhere. I'll be I'll be I'll be eating potato chips with their with their shit yeah. juice on my fingers. And now you're just like, oh fuck it. That's what I thought, but it's like pretty. I don't know. It's pretty easy. His uh. His shits are pretty, um, they're like adult, almost like adult shits. Oh, that's you good. You know, it's not like liquidy. They're like well they're, formed. They're oh, well yeah. well formed. You can yeah. get them into AP classes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, How yeah. they do it. I know. The gifted and talented program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, uh, I I hesitate to bring this up because it is a, a controversial subject, but, you know, you brought it up um, with an Instagram video I saw the other day. Um, you, you have made, I think, the, the, the bold and correct decision not mm-hmm. to circumcise your son. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, so you're... you're, 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 you're you. Uh, and, and are you you're, are you are you going against you know family tradition here? I mean, like, uh, yeah. are you worried? Are you worried there's ever going to be a conversation about you know uh, why does my why does my uh, penis look different than my father's? Yeah, but I think I just won't show him my penis. <laughs> That's what I've <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't really solve yeah. that problem. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, my oh, kid yeah. will never see my dick. <laughs> everyone, everyone thinks they're like making a good choice because it's like, oh, this is not like a decision I should make for someone else at all. Mm-hmm. Um, to like, you, you know, blah blah blah. Everyone thinks that. Everyone thinks they're going being a good parent until their kid doesn't make it into the book of life. Right. <laughs> that was the one thing from Judaism that you still had to do. What's the book of life? Oh man. Okay. So, <laughs> right. It's Next like, forty it's minutes a, will not the be book, the book of life. It's basically like it's God's need it or keep it list. Mm-hmm. Who gets to live forever? Who doesn't? Okay. Well, you guys stole that from Santa. No, I'd say Santa. That's is, just the good and the Santa naughty. Santa and list. Abraham lived at the same time, and they actually like knew each other, so they borrowed from each other. It was a collab. Yeah, Santa was actually the guy who gave Abraham the idea of killing his son because <laughs> he was naughty. <laughs> Yeah, actually, no. I mean, like, oh, that's what we be- that's what we do. There's an Old Testament Santa that's like more evil, and that's what uh, Melania's evil Christmas was honoring. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh man! Everyone's doing the contrast between the Jill Biden Christmas and Melania's evil Dude, Christmas. Dude, fuck the and I gotta say, bring back Jill, evil Christmas. The Doctor right. Jill, Dr. Jill Christmas sucks. The Doctor yeah. Jill Christmas looks like if they, if like. <laughs> Oh, we have to like we have to change this Menards so it can be a six year old's funeral. <laughs> we need to we need it just like it just makes you think of like terminally ill children. It's just something about uh, it. It's like it, oh oh I guess oh I guess this is this is like the toddler cancer ward. Like yeah, all these like bullshit stars and shit. Out. Yeah yeah. Uh, whereas uh, you know what what Melania did. For the whole Christmas genre, I think fucking it advanced this whole holiday by light years because like rather than sort of like a Thomas Kincaid painting of just sort of like a, a warm hearth, pine trees, uh, you know, uh, ornaments, uh, you know, uh, uh, gifts wrapped with string. Uh, I think Milani really advanced like the, the Christmas zone into a kind of um, Kubrickian liminal space similar to the end of 2001 or something. It's sort of like you were being reborn through the Christmas holiday into like some sort of dark parallel universe. Yeah, no, it like everyone you can it's good to be on the nice list obviously, but there's such a thing as like getting so good at the naughty list 
the, every seven years when there's an evil Christmas, you can become a Yule demon. <laughs> so evil Christmas is like it's sort of like the the you know it's like leap year or something. It only it's yeah. sort of based on a like a uh, like a it's the cycle of the planets. They have to align properly for for evil Christmas to be a thing. Yeah, 2016 was an evil Christmas. I could tell. I just like felt it. And who know? I, someone became the Yule demon that year. You know, if you were, if you became the Yule demon, you know, email us, let us know. But you know, two years from now, that's the next evil Christmas, and that's a big opportunity. And but wanna, evil Christmas is still fun. And I want to, I want to stress here: evil Christmas is not just about sort of cheekily subverting the Christmas, the the Christmas zone by watching Die Hard or talking about Krampus. Or, you know, like, uh, you know, having having like, ooh like here are gingerbread cookies, but there's um, uh, psilocybin in them or something. It's not, it's not friends Christmas. It's evil Christmas. It, 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 it is it is the parallel version of the, the winter solstice holiday. Yeah. But and it, who's to say what's evil and what isn't? Because this is the stuff you do at evil Christmas, like getting a present for your enemy. That might be good. It's pretty morally great. It's just called Evil Christmas because winners write history and Santa won the war <laughs> of Christmas against the evil Santa. Against oh. bad Santa, Billy Bob Thornton. And he was condemned <laughs> to walk the earth. Like Cain. He can never die. Mm-hmm. That's um, why Angelina Jolie kept his blood in that necklace. Oh, right. Because so she sort of keeps the power of evil Christmas with yeah, her at all times. She has the power of evil Christmas and it allows her to have unlimited adoptions. <laughs> Well, uh, we started out the show today uh, talking about family, talking about uh, children, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the, the bonds, the bonds of family. And we are seeing now um, this week in the news a, a prominent story about just that topic. I refer, of course, to those fabulous Cuomo boys, Chris and Andrew. Chris on indefinite leave from CNN following news reports that um, throughout his uh, brother, Andrew's um, sort of sexual harassment scandal, he used his contacts in the media to uh, basically network dirt on his accusers. And uh, there's been a curious reaction um, in the media to this rather flagrant violation of media ethics. Um, And the attitude seems to be family over everything. Because, I mean, the idea is that, like, oh, like, you know, maybe what he did with his position at CNN was wrong. But like, wouldn't you do the same thing in a similar situation if it was your brother who also happened to be the governor of a state and you were the, <laughs> the it, host it, of like primetime cable news anchor? It depends on what my brother did. If my brother did something like he he went up to a series of women and said, I'm I'm lonely. I, I got lonely itis. And the only thing that could cure it would be rubbing your back or like, you know, made a girl blow on a kazoo in front of him for five minutes or like whatever Cuomo did or didn't do. Like if he did that stuff, abandoning him, probably poisoning him, cutting the brakes on his car, getting rid of it. Like it's done. Time to turn my back. If my brother did something like, Hey, I went to a nursing home. Well, let's say every nursing home in the state. And I was just coughing on purpose. And I've, I killed 40,000 people. Then I would be like, everyone fucks up. Everyone does these things, and I would stand by him. Hiring him is uh, it's anti-Italian discrimination. Well, and I don't say that lightly. Like this is this is familia. This is what these people do. Yeah, and they, they stick with one another, and they do kind of represent a negative stereotype of like Italians being horny. Because I don't think we're that horny. I think there's other races that are way hornier. You know, 
We mostly like just eating and sitting down and kissing our mothers. We don't really like we don't really like sex that much. At least that's been my experience. <laughs> and my whole family, my Catholic family. But um I, I think it's funny, like um was it like Clive Haberman, who is like, you know, a, a legendary political reporter whose daughter is now the star political reporter of the New York Times, was like, you know, he had a tweet that was like you know, he should probably be fired from CNN, but like, you know, why so quick to condemn him? You know, I mean, like, isn't he doing what, you know, what, what is asked of all family, which is to cover up their brother's sex crimes in office? And I just I mean, I think it's funny because like, I mean, this is a story about media ethics that couldn't be like a more clear cut case of like, well, I mean, that goes back to the other thing, because like it would seem to me that the more flagrant violation of media ethics was allowing Chris Cuomo to interview Andrew like dozens and dozens of times on CNN when he was popular you didn't think that was cool when they'd be like, they'd be like, oh, who's going to bring the bread rolls this week? And it's, it's like Dachau for old people in the state. <laughs> now, you know, I've seen you referred to a little bit recently as the love gov. And I'm wondering if that's bleeding into your demeanor at all, making you a little soft on the president, um, that you don't want to really criticize him because you need him. And now's not a time for fighting. But don't you have to balance that with calling him out uh, if he's doing things that you don't think are great for the people of your state to be hearing and experiencing? Love gov. I'm, I've always I've always been a soft guy. I am the love gov. I'm a cool dude in loose mood. You know that. I just say let it go. Just go with the flow, baby. You know, you can't control anything. You've never said so any of those try. things. Water off a duck's back. The first time you said me. any no, of those. Yeah, I think I really. Yeah. Wow. Well, never said any of them. Uh, look, I have. I've to, known you my yeah, whole life. All right. And well, like you know, like when, when Andrew Cuomo was yeah. riding high, he would have better. like basically like works. weekly appearances on his brother's show, where they would you know they would. They would just do bants with each other about, you know, uh, who, who, who their parents like more. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, but, you know, now, now that this has caught up to them and, you know, uh, uh, Chris was using his position to like, I mean, that's the funny thing is like he was using his position to help his brother back before all this sexual harassment shit started. Mm-hmm. And now and, and I guess like the, the, the thing too far is that he was like using his position at CNN to like work his contacts to like you know, run interference and like do crisis PR and like, I don't know, dig up dirt on the accusers or whatever. Like that's, that's the, the breach of media ethics that goes too far. But I mean, I just think it's funny that all these people, like when, the, when, when a case like this, like presents itself, they're like, Oh, okay. But, like, come on, dude, is what he did really so bad? I mean, like, yeah. I like just, just by contrast, <clears throat> that guy, Mark Lamont Hill got fucking not, not indefinite suspension, but got fired by CNN for just basically, I think, signing an open statement that like condemned um, uh, the occupation of the West Bank and, and, you know, was, I don't know, maybe tepidly anti-Zionist. I mean, they fired his ass like immediately for that. And, uh, and, and Chris Cuomo being the, you know, the, the counter example here. Yeah, no. And I, I'm just going to assume that he'll be back in like a year and a half anyway. Of course he will. Of course he will. Because it's like, I mean, Cable news viewership for everything that isn't Fox is like dropping, but it's like for like the horny old cornballs that watch that they like love him, and it's like there's no one you're going to replace him with that will fill that same that same desire. It's like this is the type of thing that like his audience would be like, yeah, you're forgiven. I mean, they've al- they've already forgiven him. Like yeah, I said, like, like yeah. this, this is why you see these chorus of people in the media being like, yes, it's appropriate for CNN to like you know may- perhaps fire him, but. I mean, like, yes, yes, what he did was wrong, but, like, he did it for the right reasons, which is family, loyalty, brothers. Just this entire thing drives me fucking crazy, though, because it's like, yeah, what Cuomo did, what what, what Andrew Cuomo did, like, 
making those women play the kazoo and what Chris Cuomo did, like looking up proof that like the woman he emailed did look like his friend Lisa or whatever. Like it's bad for sure, but it's just like, does no one give a shit about the nursing home thing anymore? Like no, no one ever cared like, about that. That yeah. would, that seems like the bigger fucking thing to me. Like, I'm sorry. Like, and you said Chris was helping him before. That's when he was helping him. Yeah. While he was just, just fucking, these old people are just dropping by the thousands and it's just bringing him on to have this like, fucking imbecilic banter while his approval ratings are like 70%. I mean, not just the fact that they were uh, dying in these like, you know, <laughs> state-sanctioned abattoirs, but that he, uh, before doing it, immunized the owner of this chain of nursing homes from civil action after, after the fact. Oh, yes. by the way, who happens to be a large campaign donor to Andrew Cuomo. And then also... Or, 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 or when he like withheld resources yeah, from, New York, from New York City. Yeah, from New York City, yeah. Because of his yeah. spat with de Blasio, he like took away the New York City health departments, like which had, you know, actionable plan for what to do in a pandemic, and he like just cut them out, and and not just put in charge state health officials, but again put in charge like actual cronies with no relevant knowledge about like epidemiology or public health, in charge of distributing the resources that New York City would have at its disposal to uh, combat the pandemic at the height of its um uh, uh, deadliness. Those guys were also family, though. That was family. They all went to Olive Garden together. Well, you know, sometimes there's not a, another option in the ha- town that you're in, you know, and that's the best you can do. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can, yeah, everyone falls into the nursing home racket where I'm from. <laughs> yeah. No, I meant going to Olive Garden. Oh. <laughs> but maybe this is a good time to bring up my, my Black Friday sale is going on. I still have Cuomosexual uh, T-shirts and mugs if anybody uh, wants them. <laughs> uh, well, his... 90. 90% off. Does anyone remember when his, this is like before he resigned, but like it was like during Pride where he, they were like, oh, Cuomo's daughter comes out as, um, was, did she, yeah, she came out as demisexual, which just means like you want to fuck people you're attracted to, I think. <laughs> 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 anyway, she's going to be the senator. She's, no, so sure, you can sell, the, you can sell those homosexuals. That's what they're going to rename demisexual. I just like the idea of, uh, of Mike's uh, Cuomosexual like clearance sale. It's like uh, it's like when grocery stores have Halloween candy for like ten cents the day after. Yeah, <laughs> all those Randy Rainbow CDs are flying off the rack. You know, I'm turning this Randy Rainbow concert into Magic City. We <laughs> <laughs> get into Astro World. Did Randy Rainbow have a scandal or something? Is he not uh, popular anymore? Nah, he's, he's, no, he's not on tour. People found his yeah. old tweets where he's like, oh, my black neighbors are disgusting. I yeah, hope he yeah. died. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, nobody yeah. cared because yeah, his no, audience is a bunch care. of old people who okay. think that's cool. Yeah. yeah, You can't cancel somebody with an audience of 60-year-olds. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Can't be done. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, oh, I slept with a Mexican again. <laughs> 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 well, the, uh, the, uh, the other really good thing that to come out of uh, the, the latest the Cuomo developments are all of the uh, text exchanges between Cuomo and his inner circle in the early days of their crisis management, including probably my favorite thing ever sent in a text message in a text message from our girl, the absolute boss of all bosses, the PR bitch herself, Liz Smith. The real her, big her, her response. Her she, response. She, she follows me on Twitter for some reason. Ooh. Oh yeah. Oh, all yeah. right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, she's. She, I mean, honestly, like very few people have risen more in my estimation than Liz Smith over the course of the last year and a half or so. Because, I mean, like she's there's nobody better at what she does than her. Mm. And, I, and I just like I, I just like I, her dedication to the craft 
of being the PR boss um, exceeds all others, in my opinion. And it was in particular the uh, message he sent in the, the height of crisis PR mode, quote, can we just fire all the women in the office? <laughs> I mean, like there, there's very few people who are proposing actually radical solutions to the problems of our today's society and firing all the women is I honestly, I think something that should be considered. Yeah. Would any of us ever thought of that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like talk about like using the master's tools to take down the master's house. <laughs> Looks like we've finally disproven that quote. Audrey Lord BTFO. Yeah. Liz Smith, she was cool. I like that she was like clearly in that office. It's like Pulp Fiction. They're like, get the wolf. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. Yep. Get the best person on the job. <laughs> and she's like, they're all wearing burkas from now on. <laughs> Everyone in Cuomo's <laughs> yeah. office. Yeah. She's, I mean, like, I was, I'm interested in this because, like, Look, it's investigate. Like they're never gonna get like Cuomo for like the nursing home things, and he does deserve to go to prison. I don't think it's possible to send him to prison for like the this shit, really. And I don't think it would happen anyway. Like he does deserve to like die in a cell, but um, he'll be fine. Like he'll just, like three years from now he'll be on the speaking circuit. What I am interested in is is Liz out of Pete World. Because I think she's still, like, she's fine after this. Like, a bunch of fucking losers will hire her. But Pete, you know, ever paying attention to his image, do you think he's like, I don't, I don't know this weird lady. I don't know who the fuck she is. Never met her in my life. He certainly has no loyalty. Yeah. I mean, like, if asked about it now, I think he, might find, he may find a way to backpedal. But, like, come 2024, you, I mean, look, the queen on the board, she's got all the moves. And that's Liz Smith. One of those moves... Firing all the women. Who's, who else are they going to find who can say the F word in, in the, the meetings and be scandalous and cool and make them all feel like they're, uh, they're in a movie? Well, that's, 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 if she's not there, like none of those other fucking oatmeal ass motherfuckers are going to do it. Sorry, well, Pete, I just realized Pete, what F word you were talking about. <laughs> Pete is going to like, when Beto loses the governorship, like Pete's going to kidnap him and like cut his dick off like Reek. And, but that he'll still like do his job of saying the F word and that will be his new Liz. <laughs> well, uh, Liz is, Liz is doing great. Um, I know she was, she was the other one. She deleted it, but she had a tweet the other day that was like, you know, our, an individual's primary responsibility in life is to family, family over everything. And, you know, I guess you could say that if you were just like a, a regular person whose brother was accused of sexual harassment or something, you may, you know, it, it may be, um, I don't know, like it's not a weak character to immediately throw them under the bus or distance yourself from them or not help them if they, you know, ask for it. But I don't know, when you're the governor of like the third largest state in America, I, mm -hmm. I think there, I think honestly, I don't think you can make the argument that family comes before everything. If you do, though, you should take the fucking punishment for it. Like, I did what I had to do for my family, and as a result, I will no longer be a fucking asshole on television. Yeah, that's like everybody even... just want they they want they want to to be uh, compromise ethics, like violate their uh, job duties, but then because they're doing it for a good reason, be fucking praised for it. But part of what would make it noble to do is to suffer for it. That's right. what would make it actually a character, like a, a, a sign of character, is if you were willing to fucking take the goddamn lumps. But right. if you're just like, no, I would, I would like to 
do this and then just get an apple for it and then maintain my position. Well, then what the fuck are you doing? You're just you're just glad handing. You're just uh, you're not sacrificing anything. Who cares? Here's a good example. Like my aunt stormed the Capitol on January 6th and I haven't <laughs> called the FBI on her. But, <laughs> like, I'm just a podcaster, you know? Yeah. I don't have any power or anything. To... <laughs> and, and also, I mean, like I would be I would be in favor of calling the FBI on your aunt for other reasons. But like, what? you know, storming the Capitol, like, I mean, maybe she's just maybe she's just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are those other reasons? I don't think it's it's, it's not woman. that it's not that bad. To, I don't I'm know how if, if she wasn't a sweet woman. Oh, okay. If if she was a total asshole, you know, bad at family functions, you know, uh, doesn't clean up after you know a, a, a dinner or some things like that, you can call the FBI for those reasons. But you know, pol- politics. Let's put that one level below family. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how like it works in your culture, Mike, but like. Yeah. In the cultures that I'm familiar with, like the bond between nephew and aunt is like not that tight. That's like it's probably like I mean it's worth like five cousins, maybe. Or five aunt that's worth one cousin. It's just nothing. It's it's not really I don't think it's that bad to call the FBI on your aunt. Like you shouldn't do it, especially not if they did January sixth, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was, as we've we said the day after, was funny. <laughs> um but like it's not as bad as doing it to your uncle. No, no, no. Yeah. Like I, your, your uncle, like they can murder someone. And, and in fact, if you're not a co-defendant with them, you're a half-assed nephew. Yeah. Yeah. My wife's uncle did go down there on January 7th. I think I've told you guys. But the day after he drove down to D.C. <laughs> was he late? Like, just to see or what like, was up? Yeah, just to, like see what was up. <laughs> Damn. iPhone, iPhone alarm clock strikes again. You're my number yeah. one Cuomo now. And whatever you decide to be once this whole thing blows over, whether it's governor of New York or president of the United States or ABC's next bachelor, I'm with you now, Andy. Only you. Even as I continue to light a candle, get naked, and pray every night for the speedy recovery of your brother, my first love, Chris. With his tight, wet t-shirts and his sweaty Instagram workout videos and his big, muscular... You know, actually, I'm still really into Chris, too. Uh, moving on, um, I, I was like, I, you know, this is the uh, this is probably the, the the big story of the day it is uh, the Supreme Court hearing, which um, everybody has interpreted as, you know, a uh, the opening shot and what we all know is coming, which is the uh, overturn of uh, Roe v. Wade and the uh, forthcoming uh, illegality of abortion in probably sixty to seventy percent of the country, if not more. So I thought today would be a uh, it, it, th- th- this article that I have uh, prepared for today will. I think a ring even stronger today. Uh, This is in the opinion section of the Washington Post. I've known Amy Coney Barrett for 15 years. Liberals have nothing to fear. This is by someone named O. Carter Sneed. (laughs) (laughs) Carter Sneed. I find find myself saying that every day. Oh, Carter Sneed. (laughs) Oh, Carter Sneed. Oh, Carter Sneed. (laughs) Oh, Carter Sneed sounds like a minor character in Evil Christmas. <laughs> no, the Car- yeah. The Carter Sneed is like, um, it, it's sort of one of ha- Santa's uh, minions. Oh, Carter Sneed is like the Archangel Michael in the Santa religion. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to read a bit from the, the, this piece, just, just to remind people of what, all the way back in September 2020, um, the heights of America's uh, legal academic minds were assuring uh, their readers about um, Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, He says here, 
I have many progressive friends who, already anxious about our country, are finding the possibility that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg might be replaced by Amy Coney Barrett almost too much to bear. But I have known Barrett as a friend and colleague for more than 15 years, and I can assure worried liberals that there is nothing about the prospect of a Justice Barrett that should cause them to fear. Uh, wait, sorry, before I should just say here, uh, O. Carter Sneed is a professor of law at University of Notre Dame and author of the forthcoming book, What It Means to Be Human, The Case for the Body in Public Bioethics. He also works part-time as one of the Keebler elves. <laughs> there is nothing to fear about Barrett's intellect. She, is an incan- she has an incandescent mind that has won the admiration of colleagues across the ideological spectrum. How horny law- do you have to be to call a woman's mind incandescent? <laughs> Just jack off before you write your article, Carter. <laughs> she has an incandescent mind, and she has won the admiration of colleagues from across the ideological spectrum. Harvard Law Professor Noah Feldman, a, a respected liberal legal commentator who, like Barrett, was a Supreme Court clerk during the October 1998 term, has observed that Barrett may have well been the smartest person in that year's pool of top legal talent. Any Senate Democrat who tries to go toe-to-toe with Barrett over her legal abilities, he wrote in 2008, is going to lose badly. Barrett has confirmed her brilliance many times over as both a scholar and a teacher, for which, she had been rec- for which she has been recognized three times by Notre Dame law students as professor of the year. I mean, like, you, you see where this article is going because it's just like, this is more like liberals, uh, liberals, they're, they're bizarre fetish for um, who's the best at doing homework. Mm-hmm. And the idea is like, if you believe that's true, and that Amy Coney Barrett does have an incandescent mind and is a brilliant legal scholar and is the best of the best. Wouldn't liberals have all the, wouldn't that be a reason to fear her if she's this like, you know, ruthlessly intelligent operative of the uh, extreme right wing? Like, I mean, like if, if, if you wrote an article saying liberals have nothing to fear, she's dumb as a fucking brick and lazy. Like that would make sense. Right. Also, but no, no, like, no because that would imply that the Supreme court is a, a political institution and they don't believe that or they don't want you to believe that right no yeah like so uh it, it's the old west wing thing about uh let, let's have instead of appointing two liberal justices who are mediocre let's appoint the best liberal and the best conservative and for the you know the, the, the how incandescent their minds will be when connected together like we'll it will produce the best outcomes legally speaking because they are they have the best legal minds and like also this, this is another thing I've been thinking about today, certainly in, in light of Ruth Bader Ginsburg as well, and why it was just simply impossible for her to like bow out after getting diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. The job of Supreme Court justice is something that literally anyone could do. Yeah, you're pressing the button. You, you, you get your clerks and stuff and like uh, they can assist you with all the legal mumbo jumbo. But like it's just a matter of like, yeah, like you have two buttons in front of you. Yes or no on a given issue. And that's about it. And if you have if you have like a a, a, a basically set like a, a basically fixed set of political beliefs, then like you, you know which way you're going to decide one way or another. Yeah, and you don't even literally you could just like copy off of Sotomayor. Yeah. You could just go every vote be like how how are you going to vote? And then you, if you like you know God willing you don't have to do this, but if you have to write the dissent, you can just like just you know. Uh, I really thought that when it came to the facts in the case that it was just clear what I wanted to had to do. Just right. Like you can't, they're not going to impeach you. Just, you know, it's like a book report for something you didn't read. It's fine. I would say the job because yeah, I saw people saying like, don't say she should have retired. She had a unique role in the court. 
the job of Supreme Court justice is like it's the Queen of England, but if she had power. That's anyone could have done that. They could have brought anyone to, to that. Does not matter. Uh, so going on here says, uh, even more reassuring to Barrett's skeptic should be her remarkable humility. There are plenty of smart people in elite academia and on the federal bench, but few with Barrett's generosity of spirit. She genuinely seeks to understand others' arguments and does not regard them as mere obstacles to be overcome on the way to reaching a preferred conclusion. Time and again, I have seen her gently reframe a colleague's arguments to make them stronger, even when she disagreed with them. And she is not afraid to change her own mind in the search for the truth, as I have seen in several of our faculty seminars. Such open-mindedness is exactly what we want of our judges and what we can expect Barrett to bring to the Supreme Court because that is who she has always been. Why do you think it is that, like, I mean, I mean, Matt, like, I think you've already answered this question about, like, why liberals, have, I don't know, like, maybe not why they do, but, like, the fact that they have this belief that, like, the Supreme Court is not a political institution. Like, how is it that they are the only people on the planet that didn't realize that the only reason that you're nominated by a Republican president to serve on the Supreme Court is that you're against abortion and regulation of business, the private sector, et cetera, et cetera. But like, you know, abortion is the marquee issue here. Like that, that's the that's the that's the main factor one way or the other. So like, who is he reassuring here with this idea that like because of her humility and judicial skepticism that she would there would be any chance whatsoever that she wasn't going to vote in the way we all know that she's going to as it regards uh, the right to an abortion? I mean, it's liberals. They're just reassuring themselves. It's, they're doing they're doing the rosary. They got to do it every time there's a Supreme Court uh, vacancy that are, is filled by a Republican. But like they're, they're the ones who are supposed to care about uh, the court more than anyone. And like they're the ones who are saying like, oh, like when the Supreme Court's in the balance, like that was why you had to vote for Hillary Clinton. But then like why all these reassurances? Is it just is it just cope? Is it just is they're just trying to like tell themselves that like Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade won't be overturned? Is, is there, are they reassuring Well, I mean, the ones who are doing like, this are always lawyers. So it, like there's different incentives if you're like a political operative and a pundit or something, or if you're inside the tent of like the legal establishment, like they have a specific investment in maintaining the illusion of institutional legitimacy that transcends any political question. Lawyer, yeah, lawyers also, I was going to say that like lawyers love acting like any of them are good lawyers, especially media lawyers. There's probably like 30 good lawyers, probably in the entire world, but like it just, they want it to be sports so fucking bad that they have to talk about how good Amy Coney Barrett is at being a judge and by extension a lawyer. It's like, who fucking cares? Shut up. These are political appointees appointed to achieve a political task. In this case, advancing the, you know, long-held right-wing dream of making abortion illegal in America. Uh, going on here, it says, while Barrett's faith is the source of her selflessness, it is not a source of authority for her work as a judge. Indeed, during her 2017 confirmation hearing, she stated as much under oath. Oh, well, if she said so under oath, I'm sure, I mean, there's no backseas on that. Um, a progressive former colleague from Barrett's clerkship days, from Ginsburg's chambers, no less, affirmed that Barrett is not at all ideological and believes that she will try as hard as anyone can to bracket the views that she has as she decides cases. While Barrett would not draw on any extra legal source of authority, be it religious, moral, or political, as a justice, some may still worry about her views on legal precedent. 
Barrett appears to follow the jurisprudence of her mentor, Justice Antonin Scalia, in looking for the original meaning of the Constitution's text to evaluate past decisions of the Supreme Court. This approach can stand in, ten- can stand in tension with the doctrine of stare decisis, which counsels justices to account for pragmatic considerations such as the disruptive effects of upending precedents Americans have come to rely on before reversing a prior decision. Yet here, too, because of her integrity and rigor, there is no, no reason to fear that Barrett would casually disregard pre- precedents that conflict with the Constitution's original meaning or even a statute's plain meaning. Her past scholarship, including a 2017 law, art, law Review article, makes clear that she appreciates the tensions between originalism and stare decisis. There, she wrote, there is nothing in original jurisprudence that requires justices to seek the reversal of precedents of their own initiative. I mean... If you've been following what happened in the court yesterday, uh, you'll you'll get the irony of that last two paragraphs. I mean, they're 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 blatantly disregarding precedent here. I mean, like again, that's why she was put on the Supreme Court. Um, it goes here. There is, of course, no way to know in advance how a Justice Barrett would rule on hot button cases. Yes, there is. There's a very clear way to know how she would rule in advance. Um, the fact that she's a member of the Federalist Society and been basically prepared her entire life to fill this this opening in the Supreme Court would give you a very, very clear, like you could just check checklist down, uh, down a fucking, just, just check it off down a list of how she's going to vote on every issue. You'll know that in advance at a time when there is so much worry about our troubled nation, having a Supreme court justice who brings such honesty and integrity to her work should be the least of our fears. Uh, the word abortion was not brought up once in this entire, uh, op-ed piece. Uh, so there you go. That's, uh, that, that, that's how the Washington Post back in September 2020 um, assured everyone about uh, how good Amy Coney Barrett would be on the Supreme Court. And, you know, uh, even if your friends are there and you think that she's a good woman who's qualified for the job, I mean, it was just like, I don't know, it kind of stuns me that like just the actual ramifications of political decisions and, and, and judgments are like, or just political issues at all. They're just waved away with hot button issues are just completely not considered at all. In, in the realm of these, like, you know, the legal eagles of uh, academia. All right. Uh, should we move on to, um, uh, moving on from uh, abortion, should we talk about um, licking assholes on college campuses? Finally. Yes. Uh, folks, Rod Dreher is back at again, back at it again. And uh, I just, uh, you know, he's... He's been on a hot streak, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring up his latest in the American Conservative, titled Heine Lickers of Princeton. Rod writes, a non-faculty source at Princeton University, one of the crown jewels of American higher education, sent me these flyers that RAs approve to students. Okay, now it's like these, this very uh, sort of uh, millennial-style graphic design here, and it says, uh, for free, safer sex supplies without the awkwardness. Delivered directly and discreetly. Choose your own sexual adventure. Fill out the form and choose from six unique options to receive a safer sex kit, which is catered to your needs. So let's go on to choose your own sexual adventure. So uh, first, sexual adventure, butt stuff. If you choose the butt stuff sexual adventure, you get um, an internal condom, unflavored external condoms, flavored dental dams, flavored lube, unflavored lube. An internal yep. condom? I think that's like a female it's condom. Like a female condom, I guess. They still yeah. make those. Talk about talk about evil inventions in modernity. That old plastic bag. And of course, it's the butt stuff that that Rod is going to get on here onto here because, of course, the inclusion of flavored and unflavored lube 
would seem to imply that you're you're licking someone's asshole. In health class, it was very funny when they would talk about safe sex, and they would the teacher would introduce the dental dam. Because I remember being like 14 and a virgin and being like, nobody, nobody uses them. <laughs> yeah, and now we use them every day. Right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Uh, uh, other other uh, sexual adventures you can choose are uh, slip and slide. Uh, and for slip and slide, you get three flavored lubes, three unflavored lubes, and three unflavored external condoms. Okay. By external condoms, does he mean the female condom? External condoms External would be the is, traditional uh, male condom. I okay, would yeah. yeah. He should just, oh, okay. Are they doing, is that, they're doing like woke language thing? Like an academic thing where they're like, oh, yeah, I think say, so. Okay, yeah. Uh, I see where this is going. And I just like, I'm just trying to, because butt stuff, that's obvious what sexual adventure you're choosing. But slip and slide, like, what is that? You get a lot of lube, and I'm imagining you actually have like an actual slip and slide that's greased with lube. And you just run down it and just like splash into someone whose legs are open at the bottom. That's a thing of your dorm room hall. People, that's an icebreaker, I think, <laughs> in a lot of freshman dorms. <laughs> that's how you get tapped into skull and bones. <laughs> if your friend slips and slides and his head goes all the way into your asshole, you're tapped in. <laughs> uh, next up is oral fixation, for which you will receive uh, three flavored dental dams and four flavored external condoms. I mean. Just the whole flavored yeah, condom what thing. Need, what do you need to be you know, really things for? Yeah. Focus on what's happening in front of you. Don't be thinking about like, I don't know. Is, is that, this doesn't really taste like raspberry. It's like a, it's like when you go to the dentist office and they're going to like clean your teeth and they're like, what flavor of toothbrush, toothpaste would you like as we grind it into your fucking teeth and gums? It's like, I don't know, the one with the least amount of flavor. Yeah. Like, this is the fact, the fact that it tastes like bubble gum is not going to make this experience any better. I feel the same thing when the dentist makes me suck his cock with a <laughs> <laughs> it's like just fine get it over with um i, I think uh, that the alarming thing here is that like even undergraduates are doing sex nerd stuff yeah not a good yeah sign. come on guys that's for 35 year old computer guys and their wives it feels like most people who are culturally conservative are like i don't care what consenting adults do just don't you know just don't like hold hands on the street and then rod is like no i care Here's what <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, he definitely, he definitely cares. Like the, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, next sexual adventure is latex-free, uh, for which you will receive three internal condoms, four latex-free external condoms, and three unflavored lubes. I guess they're just giving you the uh, the old the old sheep's bladders if you're allergic to latex. Uh, next is wrap it up. Three flavored external condoms, three unflavored external condoms, three unflavored lubes, and then finally manual play, which you get something called five finger cots, what? three gloves, and three unflavored. Okay, if the we're just talking cots- about getting hand jobs, I don't think you need to be giving college or high school students protection of any kind, other than maybe lube or just spit. Yeah, no. So the finger, like the protection. What are for finger, finger cots? Banging, it's they're like little beanies that you put on your finger to finger bang. But it's oh, like, is it like is it to enhance the pleasure of getting a, a hand job, or is it to protect you from like sexually transmitted diseases? Like, uh, I don't want to. If this is you're getting finger banged by like a chimney sweep or something, well, what the fuck is the point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so feel you don't like get a cold. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the real issue here that Rod could pursue. You know, if he was a more normal guy, would be like big condom is getting kids addicted to their products. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I just like in, 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 in analyzing all six of these sexual adventures, it seems like uh, only two of them refer to actual sex acts that like are sexual preferences, like butt stuff or oral sex. The rest of them are like, 
just just having condoms and like all of these sexual adventures could be catered to by just making condoms and lube available. I don't get what this whole boutique thing is, but hey, you know, it's Princeton. These kids pay a lot of money to go there. But of course, that is what Rod is fixated on. So uh, Rod sees this uh, this menu of uh, uh, sexual uh, sexual license and he uh, writes here. I know it makes me out to be an old coot, but so what? Is this what the American elite have become? Do people send their kids to Princeton tuition, room board fees, $74,190 to have the university's agents encourage them to lick each other's butts? Because that's what's happening. This really is a tell. The U.S. ruling class is increasingly degenerate, don't you think? It's not that butt licking and other perversions were unknown prior to today. It's that one of the most important universities in the world is now encouraging what one imagines are among the most intelligent students in the world to amuse themselves by licking each other's butts and offer to provide them with the setups to do so. I mean, the setup to do so is just having a tongue and an asshole. Yeah, we're already licking butts, (laughs) Rod. (laughs) I don't know why all this gear uh, needs to be involved here. That's why they call it a desert island activity. (laughs) He's like, I know writing this will make people think I'm some kind of secret pervert who has a bunch of perverted <laughs> thoughts. I don't care. Right, that is, no, he that doesn't care. The, That's why I love Rod more than any other writer. Yeah, I do like that he says, like, oh, you probably think I'm an old coot for this. And it's like, no, I think you're jacking off. I think you're an old, <laughs> think queen, you're an old freak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once upon a time, people looked up to the Ivy League as representative of the best <laughs> of America. And now... In Princeton case, in Princeton's case, they're determined to carry out a campaign drive, a campaign to drive out impressive scholars for standing up to neo-racist progressive initiatives. And they're engaged in grooming behavior to encourage students to act out sexual scenarios they've seen in porn clips. I mean, if they're already of college age, I think like the the the, the grooming allegation rings a little hollow. I mean, if they're being encouraged to act out these sexual scenarios with their professors, fair enough. Get that sicko shit out of here. But I mean, like yeah. What he's talking about is, you know, young Ivy League undergrads who are, you know, young, filled with the vigor of life and, you know, may may be given to sexual experimentation at that age, as is, you know, as as all as all kids are college uh, Ivy League or not. I mean, if if anything, I I feel like less of them are going to do like just the fact that like your school is giving out the stuff makes you less likely to do this. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I. I don't know. The, the 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 finger thing is just like it's very disturbing to me. Like these are these not in the way that Rod thinks it so, but like you know, what if you had what if you're what if you're a Rod type per like not I won't say Rod type person. What if you're religious and your religion says that it's like you go to hell if you use a condom, but that also women have to uh, take the pill. It's a very specific type of Judaism that you're a part of <laughs> that maybe only I subscribe to now. It's just it's a scary time to be religious on campus, especially if you're not a student. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is your American ruling class in 2021. And yet how many normie Americans would still send their kids to Princeton because they want their kid to be credentialed by an Ivy League school and to be launched into the elite of elites social class? How many conservative Americans would do that? Most of them, I would wager. 
we conservatives can be hypocritical about this stuff. We will read stuff in the conservative media about how rotten the elite universities are and how nearly all of academia is ruining itself with wokeness. And we will nod along with suggestions that our kids might be better off with a trade school education than a college degree. But if you're that kind of conservative and your kid comes to you and suggests that trade school might be a better fit for him than college, you might as well blow a gasket and say, no, son, you have to go to college because reasons. The real reason is that trade school is considered a step down in social class. First of all, Rod is like, I don't know, 60, I guess. He should not be saying things like normies in his article. (laughs) My son got into Princeton. Looks like he's not getting into heaven. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, you know, obviously like the the. The corny, the corniness, and the sort of cringe of these of these stupid choose your own sexual adventures, and all the flavored lubes that really have no purpose for existing in the first place, is kind of stupid. But you know, I mean, colleges have been you know, safe sex has been a thing that's been promoted in our culture for a long time, and it's just like, does Rod think that in the fifties, like kids who went to college weren't doing butt stuff or like sucking each other off or fucking? Just weren't doing it in a dark way, you know, like a, in a cringy, uh, nerdy ass way with fucking accessories and shit. Yeah, but like, would is Rod annoyed by the accessories? Accessories, or is he annoyed by the ass? He's annoyed by the the school giving them the stuff. The school like acknowledging it, and that is a different thing than the school just being like, "All right, you kids are going to do what you're going to do, but you know, keep it discreet." There is a difference between that and then being like, "Here are some sex toys for you. Go nuts!" Like it is a more uh, active validation of the behavior. Okay, it does yeah, kind of feel I, like it does kind of feel like our generation invented ass licking, though. Doesn't? Yeah, it? you know what? I, I don't think they were licking each other's assholes in the fifties, probably, because I think yeah. like oral sex was invented in probably nineteen eighty six. Yeah, and ass licking is like true. Boomers, yeah. boomers invented oral sex. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oral sex was actually invented during Iran Contra to distract <laughs> Americans, right. and every man who thinks he likes it is has been fooled. And it's probably a worse crime even than circumcision. He goes, uh, Rod continues, uh, this happened to me recently. My middle son is 17. He's a smart kid, makes good grades, but he prefers working with his hands and prefers to be outdoors. I bet he, he does. Remem- <laughs> <laughs> prefers working with his finger he rem- <laughs> Yeah. My son built my goon shack for me. <laughs> and he remembers the my lecture. Son my son put an addition on a highway rest stop. <laughs> <laughs> he, he built, he built oh. a separate room. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What's what's your son doing playing video games? Well, look at this. My son created an entire like six foot tunnel beneath our outhouse, <laughs> where an adult man could stand with his mouth open. <laughs> he goes, uh, and he remembers the lecture my late father gave to him a decade ago. The one I heard a thousand times as a kid, in which my dad railed about how he really wanted to go to trade school, but his parents guilted him into going to college, and how he resented his desk job from day one until retirement. My son said he thinks he might be happier going to trade school and learning how to work on equipment. This brings him pleasure. He bought his first car recently, a pickup truck, and he loves working on it. It could be that he is mistaking enthusiasm for working on his truck for a sign of a a vocation in the trades. We'll see over the next year. He's got a year and a half left in high school. But I told him that if he discerns that trade school is better for him, then I will support that path forward. I can't be a hypocrite who chronicles the decline of American universities by day, but who would nevertheless insist that my son get a college degree when he doesn't want to go to college, but instead wants to learn how to fix machines and build things. If I had a child at Princeton and found out that the university was handing out Heine licking kits to them, I would be on the phone to the university president to raise hell. 
Think yeah, about Rod, what it, Rod's on the phone and he's like, we don't do that anywhere but my house. <laughs> I want my son to go to trade school where people f- learn to fuck correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Missionary learned, style, penis and vagina sex. And you I know, learned how you, to give back shots in HVAC school. <laughs> and if you go to trade school, particularly if, you know, uh, if you're working on auto mechanics or engineering of any kind, there's no need to provide lube because your hands are already well greased at the end of the day. You can exactly. just slide that. Exactly. Slide it right up a butthole. Um, he goes, and he, he says, think about what a gift this is to the Chinese and Russians. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Uh, he means like they're just literally the condoms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, just, they're just sending people in their illegals program to, co- to just like scoop up as many as possible in their arms and run back to China. They don't have flavored condom technology yet. They haven't figured out dental dams in Russia yet. (laughs) At one of the premier institutions of higher learning, provide help and material assistance to turn the leadership class of tomorrow into a clack of butt lickers and oral fetishists who are too fragile to hear arguments that make them anxious. I mean, I don't know, like, why is one connected to the other? You know, I mean, like he's, he's 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 turning like turning the ruling elite of America into ass lickers. It's like, well, if they got into prison, guess what? They were already an ass licker. I do, I do like the way that those bleed together, though, because it's like, oh, yeah, they're like fucked up, pervert, degenerates. And they also won't hear arguments from people like me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They won't they won't hear an older man who's still pretty handsome uh, say, well, why don't you let me do that? <laughs> why don't you why don't you fill my asshole with like that that uh, dental foam and just lick it out and then leave a mold inside my ass and then I will get down on my stomach on on a floor, and you can just stand with both the balls of your feet on my asshole, pressing my nuts into the floor. <laughs> they won't hear that argument. But uh, yeah, I mean, like it's this idea that um, it, it, if if kids are encouraged to, uh, if college students are encouraged to uh, practice sort of out uh, sort of boutique sexual practices, which you know. Oral sex is not exactly a boutique sexual practice, not at this point. Like, it'll make them into, I don't know, fragile, degenerate adults or something. I just, like, I just, like, I, once again, like, I don't know the connection in Rod's brain between having having sex or having sex in ways that are not approved by him personally and this sort of, like, decline of Western civilization. Yeah, does he it's think all, it's people all, in China, like, aren't fucking? Yeah, but but they're not licking each other's assholes, or they're not they're not they're not sucking dick, they're not eating pussy, they're right. not doing the shocker. They're just bouncing a ball together until they come. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I mean, there is a Shang Dynasty vase from 10,000 BC that depicts felching. Did the Ro- like the the Roman Empire? It all began to go tits up for them as soon as they discovered squirting. Yeah. As soon as they discovered that the G spot thing you can do, it was like, uh, yeah, the the Huns were at the gates. But that's like the people. And I, who, I, I think Rod does believe that, though. I, I think he believes that people who have um, are, are less uh, sexually inclined are like sort of stronger, purer, uh, you know, more more virile in a way. If you had to bet money, do you think he like sends his son to trade school, though? I think no. Yeah, there's no way. No fucking way. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, that's that's the rub with Rod. Rod's, is that like Rod's son is going to work at a gay steel mill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is the rub with Rod that he's like, you know, calls all this stuff out. And he does like even sort of allude to that in this article where he's like, oh, yeah, we talk about how bad college is, but we all send our kids there. But it's like beyond just like sending his kid there, no one is more of like a fruity cosmopolitan than Rod. Yeah. 
I was just thinking about that that Budapest Garden Party article where the guy told him about how Blue's Clues is woke. One of the best articles I've ever read. And also, like, nobody on the planet is more obsessed about college than Rod Dreher. And not just college, but elite Ivy League institutions. Riled up. Yeah. How can he have, like, vicarious enjoyment of all of his son's experiences of the decadent perversions? They, um, If Rod is really worried, he should send his son to ASU because, like, if you do anything but doggy style, they expel you like it's holding hands at liberty. I mean, I, I, I think you're you're going out on a limb to suggest that Rod would be okay with doggy style. Oh yeah, no, he probably thinks doggy style that they like started that in 1998. I, he like he's like uh, um, the degenerate elites watch their dogs, and that's how they learn about how to have sex. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to turn kids into animals or something like that. Just look, look, look at all the positions. Look, it's right in the name, reverse cowgirl. It's saying that the woman should do the job while the man stays home and eats soy. It's reversing uh, a gender hierarchy. Exactly. I don't think he'd be okay with cowgirl, period. No. I think, I don't I, think I, yeah, none of them. Pretty much none of them. I think like soaking would be the only thing he thinks is good. I, I, think, I think any sex that is uh, pleasurable, exciting, or fulfilling for an individual to you know experiment or engage in, is I think a threat to Rod's view of uh, society. I think I think he views, I think he views pleasurable sex of any kind, or like the uh, increasing social acceptance that uh, sex is should be pleasurable for both parties, or that there's a, a a wide variety of sexual practice outside soaking that is you know enjoyable and uh, fun for both people to do. I think he genuinely regards that as like the single greatest threat to civilization itself. And like the more fun people are having sex, like the the quicker we will slide into a new age of uh, barbarism and uh, darkness, essentially. But I guess I guess what's the final thing that's like f- fucking weird to me about this is like getting mad about like the fucking the Princeton condom thing as like that's what's going to cause degeneracy. It's like that is like the social conservative equivalent of of being like, oh, oh, use a reusable coffee filter or else the environment's going to fall apart. Like, why is it, that, that seems like a drop in the bucket compared to every anything else. Like, if, if that's such a big deal, then the war is already lost. What are you going to do? Yeah. Wait till Rod finds out about Cardi B. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, he, he does. He does. He uses that word degeneracy in this article, the, the degeneracy of the American elites, the degenerate American elite. And, you know, it, it's a word that's very in vogue with uh, conservatives and sort of the new right nowadays. And it used to be like it used to refer only to gay people. But I think now degenerate just refers to like anyone who has sex. It just refers to like pussy gettas of, of, of all varieties. Pussy and ass gettas of all varieties. <laughs> because, yeah, I think for whatever reason, it's like if, if, I had to, if I had to make a case for the degeneracy of the American ruling class, the fact that they're doing butt stuff on their own free time would not make the top 100. Yeah, this is, if anything, an improvement. Like they're do- it's adults doing it to each other. So there we go. That's uh, that's Rod on modern elite ass licking techniques. But, you know, if I if I can agree with Rod for just a second, get rid of all these flavored lubes and condoms. Just get the fuck out of here with that. Yeah. Focus on on the sex, for I, God's sakes. Quit trying to be quit trying yeah. to be a freaking Tom Colicchio over here when you're having sex. I'll <laughs> tell you. I'll tell you what's always bugged me is like sexy uh, cosplay, like when hot women dress up like uh superheroes or whatever like i don't know i, I that think that doesn't do it for you I, I just think i should go away like is the 
is the lady not uh do you need her to dress up like spider-man to get hard <laughs> you know? like the idea of like nerds enjoying that bothers me like it's not enough I've tried to talk about this on stage so many times, and I can't seem to articulate what bothers me about it so much. It should be like a sexy lady um, in, in a sexy outfit should be good enough. It shouldn't it should just be, be like, enough. oh, she, she's, she's Cortana from Halo. Right. The, the, That's yeah. really hot, though. <laughs> like, all the other ones are stupid, but you just named the one hot one. I guess if she dressed up like Arthur Morgan from Red Dead, that'd be, that'd be kind of hot. <laughs> A big, t- big titted Arthur Morgan, <laughs> who dies of consumption. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder. I you wonder some, if you they- got some dick for me, boy. <laughs> wow. Oh. I wonder. I wonder if there's ever been like you know like a history nerd, like a a Civil War guy, Matt? who like made a big. Oh. Yeah, if Matt did this, like if Matt had a billion dollars, that he would get like the hottest one in the world to like dr- uh, dress up like General Meade. <laughs> I don't know. Do you do that? I've never asked you. I would never do it with Mead. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil Phil Sheridan, though, you would, right? Absolute replacement level general. Get out of here with that. Now we're talking like maybe George Thomas. Okay. Rock of Chickamauga. Now we're talking. Who are your top five sexiest Civil War generals? Off off Uh, the dome. I mean, it's it's annoying because he was terrible, but McClellan really did look like he was poured into that uniform. I yeah. gotta say, <laughs> yeah. uh, Grant Grant is handsome, mm-hmm. uh, and you know Sherman it, was a good looking guy. I guess Sherman, especially when you remember that he had like bright red hair, very, yeah. very striking. Uh, Robert E. Lee, you don't think you look at him and you're like he's just an old guy with a beard, but in the contemporary at the contemporary moment, people would always when they were describing him just stop to talk about how fucking hot he was. Hmm. People couldn't get over how hot Robert E. Lee was. Okay, you heard it here from you heard it here first. Matt into Confederacy cosplay. <laughs> Done. End the episode. <laughs> Clip that. Grant, I feel like had like a certain like later career Gerard Butler swag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just rumpled, hungover. Yeah, he, what about that guy Hancock? Oh yeah, Winfield Scott Hancock. Yeah, he was he was pretty dashing. He had a good he had a mustache and everything. You know what occurred to me? Um, like. Uh, oral sex of the junior varsity and varsity varieties, you know, whether you're uh, the, the, the primary genital area or the, the asshole style area, that's probably a more modern uh, sexual practice because everyone was so fucking dirty back then. It was just like the, the opportunities to bathe and clean your asshole were like few and far between. So getting that up close and personal with one would probably be not the most appetizing thing to imagine like pre, like I said, pre early 90s. Well, that was that it wasn't sexual until the 90s. It was like a platonic thing. Two soldiers would do it to each other. <laughs> they would clean each other's yeah. buttholes. If you read those letters between like Confederates where it's like, oh, I can't wait to do that again. But that's just like it's like monkeys grooming each other. It was just it was how, how you helped your friend. It's so cool. You guys had Oliver Stone on last week. <laughs> now <it's, laughs> now just talking about licking asshole. He should do a movie about that. He should. About how they invented oral sex, like, during Reagan. Yeah. It was Fawn Hall invented it, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check this out. All right. Well, uh, hopefully we've got you nice and horned up, um, thinking about, you know, guys with mutton chops licking each other's assholes. <laughs> uh, but, no, you know, but- that'll, that'll have to tide you over until next time. I want to thank uh, Mike Racine for being on the show today. Thank Mike, you. Can if, I- uh, if people, people would like more of you, your podcast, your stand-up... Just uh, they want more Mike in their Mike Racine in their life. Where should they go? 
Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Racine.Mike. And then I'm doing stand-up in uh, Detroit, December 10th and 11th. And then Adam Friedland and I will be at Caroline's on Broadway, December 23rd. Um, that should be a fun show. Two shows, 7 o'clock and 9.30, and everybody should come and hang out. Sounds fun. Yeah. I have a quick announcement before we get okay. off. Our store, everything as a special December holiday time treat, uh, everything on the Chapo Trap House shop is 15% off for the next 15 days, or rather until December 15th. So uh, everything there is 15% off at shop.chapotraphouse.com. Um, until the 15th, we will be getting restocks of new colors for some of the shirts that are already there. So check back soon, and I'll try to make an announcement about that. And of course, yes, the restock of the Zapata petroleum hats should be coming imminently. I've been told by the end of the month, uh, those will be back up on the store. So uh, just check back there, uh, 15% off everything until the 15th, shop.chapotraphouse.com. And of course, uh, in less than one week, in six days, we'll be in Buffalo to play our live show at Asbury Hall on December, God, I've said this so many times, eighth. what day is that? This is the 8th, on December, December 8th, 8th in Os- Asbury Hall in Buffalo. Tickets still available. Hopefully, see you there next week. Are you guys going to go to Hall of Presidents in Buffalo? It's a bar. It's like a U.S. president-themed uh, bar. Uh, now we are. Yeah. Now that I know now, that. Like, we are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great bar. Hall, the owner, If the owner's there, he'll, he'll ask you uh, trivia questions. Oh, well, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Let's we brought a for them because we're then we're all going to fucking yeah. die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My, I'm just trying. Yeah. Ooh. Matt's going to clean uh, up at that. Probably yeah. not. I'm already okay. no, I'm setting sorry. expectations Founding... low right now. I'm sorry. Okay. Founding Fathers is the name of the bar. Founding Fathers? Founding oh, fathers. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was it. most looking forward to taking uh, uh, doing a thought squat with Matt in front of the Grover Cleveland statue. Nice. Absolutely. He's from Jersey. Oh, yeah, he is. He was born in Jersey. Yep. Yeah, he was, got he was one of the rest stops named after him. Yeah, <laughs> the best one. He was um, the first president to have a break, baby. That's true. Yes. Dwayne Wade did it. You know, we've all done it. Uh, Cleveland did it. It's when you you have a fight with your wife and you're like, OK, we're on break. And then you immediately get someone else pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> all right, gang. Uh, until next time. Bye bye. Bye. Goodbye. Hypnotize. Hey.